Hello, good evening. This is the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. Back at ya. I'm your co-host, Kyle Bird. And I'm Matt Parmley. And we have uh, one of our uh, very frequent guest hosts, Kevin from Mazer Patrol. Do, do I need to be introduced back. anymore at this point? I mean, probably not. I... <laughs> you're you're a staple. Um, welcome, welcome to uh, another exciting edition of the show. Uh, so, before we talk about um, Agon, the Atomic Dragon, which I'm sure uh, I don't know, was anyone asking for us to talk about this? I don't know. <laughs> um, We'll just dive right in um, with a little bit of news. Uh, Okay, so we have a synopsis for the upcoming MonsterVerse sequel. Um, We have a synopsis and a press release with, you know, the cast and crew, uh, but we still don't have a title, which is... I don't know. I I, I I don't understand that. It's kind of... I don't know, it's it's a little bit upsetting. Anyway, uh, we have in the director's chair. Um, we have... Uh, the script has three writers credited, which, uh, is, you know, I mean, I'm that's a wonderful sign, I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Terry Rossio, who ran the writer's room on Godzilla vs. Kong... He also wrote the uh, the Godzilla, the TriStar 94 Godzilla that never got made, Pirates of the Caribbean. He's written all kinds of stuff. He has a credit, as well as Jeremy Slater, who uh, wrote Moon Knight, which was not very good, and also the Exorcist TV series, which was very good. Um, and uh, probably the the... I don't know, I guess the coolest addition here is Simon Barrett, who is Adam Wingard's usual writing partner. Um, you know, he did uh, You're Next and The Guest with him, um, which are really great movies. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's hot. The, these are giant tent poles, and uh, the bigger the budget, uh, the less, you know, I mean, uh, I'm sure whatever final script it's possible... None of these guys even wrote that draft. I don't know. I I, I don't want to get into boring screenwriter stuff, but a lot of the time in movies this big, you know, the final draft is something that's kind of cobbled together from a bunch of other scripts, and the person who does that sometimes isn't even credited. But that's who we have. Um, Returning cast members include Rebecca Hall. I do like her. Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, I like him, but not in these. And uh, uh, Kaylee Hoddle. Uh, she is the little girl, Gia, who I do like. Um, newcomers include Dan Stevens, who I like a lot. Um, kaiju fans, I guess, would probably know him the most from Colossal, but uh, the guest is my favorite role of his. Um, Fala Chen, uh, obligatory Chinese cast member, because you got to get that Chinese box office. So um, I'm sure she'll just stand around and show up in the trailer. Alex Ferns, uh, I don't know who that is, don't feel like looking it up. <laughs> and Rachel House, don't know who that is either. Um, Alex Ferns was apparently in The Batman and Chernobyl. Rachel House is in Thor Ragnarok and Foundation. Again, I didn't look up those people before we recorded, which is my bad. Sorry, I know they're listening. Anyway, 
So this movie promises to... Hold on, let me get my... Okay, it, it promises to uh, show how the Titans came to be and what their relation is to Kong's original home, Skull Island. These revelations promise to change humanity forever. Whatever that means. Um, and uh, the latest entry follows up the explosive showdown of Godzilla vs. Kong with an all-new cinematic adventure, pitting the almighty Kong and fearsome Godzilla against a colossal, undiscovered threat hidden within our world, challenging our very, their very existence and our own. The epic new film will de delve further into the histories of these titans, their origins, and the mysteries of Skull Island and beyond, while uncovering the mythic battle that helped forge these ex extraordinary beings and tied them to humankind forever. Um, that could have just been the synopsis for the previous movie. Yeah, it's all... <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's all very vague. Um, I don't know, who knows what these things... I. Uh, I don't, I mean, the, the way these movies are made, and when I say these movies, I mean like these big hundred plus million dollar spectacles is so strange and it's only gotten like weirder. Like, um, we know that because of COVID, uh, the last Godzilla versus Kong movie, you know, that bought them a lot of extra time to do more, um, test screenings and, even change entire elements of the story and post-production. Um, and I don't know, that that seems to be, like, really common these days, um, especially in, like, a post-COVID world. It's like, uh, for example, like, the new Halloween movie, <laughs> Halloween Ends. For, from what oh. I understand, uh, it's currently test-screening two uh, edits. And both of them have pretty much completely different storylines. That's insane to think about. I just... Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, stuff like that is pretty common now. Um, like, the last Thor movie, they ended up cutting, like, entire subplots and, like, roles from, like, really, like, famous, like, A-list actors and stuff. Oh, like, like, um, Tom D, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's because, you know, they, uh... That I think they just tested multiple edits and, you know, the, you know, went off whatever, you know, the data kind of was like, okay, this is what people like and didn't like. And the la the final movie was just kind of a mess for it. Um, from what I understand about the stuff that uh, that extra time bought them on the last Godzilla vs. Kong movie, um, I think from what I know and what we, we've read and stuff by now i think a lot of those changes were for the better but i don't know we'll see i i wonder if that's why the plot synopsis is so vague because like they kind of don't know yet <laughs> even though it's filming i don't know movies are weird now man I'm, I'm just wondering you know with with all of these announcements ahead of time if we're gonna wind up you know looking back at this and being like hey there's like six people on this cast list that got akira takarada in 2014 or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly well yeah even the last movie they had a uh, uh z zang and uh jessica henwick you know completely cut lance reddick had like a pretty substantial role and in the final film he's in like one scene so you know i don't know it's 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 hard to tell um but uh i don't know i mean uh it, the the trajectory of this project has been kind of interesting because um 
I know that uh, us and probably a lot of people listening probably remember, you know, the early word was that, uh, you know, the, the, the prevalent idea for a follow-up was uh, to do a Son of Kong, uh, like a Kong movie, and now, you know, it's, it seems like it's a Godzilla and Kong. It, it sounds like a team-up movie rather than a versus movie, mm. which whatever. Um, but yeah, I know as, far, as, as late as, like, last winter, Toho were kind of, like waiting for legendary to you know give them a call you know so I, I wonder if maybe son of kong was kind of something they were thinking about like okay if toho doesn't want to do another another one we'll just do this or whatever but toho has no reason to say no i mean they they pretty much just sit back and let everyone else do the work and collect, collect money yeah yeah the only thing i could think of that could you know cause them to hesitate is if they had some kind of stipulation where you can't have simultaneous projects and development on both. Right, because, yeah, 2024 is the anniversary, the 70th anniversary, so... Um, and and we know that uh, it really seems like they have a Godzilla movie, like, either done <laughs> or, or being made. I mean, there's the Yamazaki thing, which I, I think a lot of signs point to it being Godzilla. We just haven't you know, heard the the official word yet. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were renegotiating. Maybe we'll see a Japanese movie and an American one. Who knows? Uh, who knows at this point? But, uh, it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think a lot of people, probably including some of the folks at Legendary, I, I think a lot of people probably thought they were done after the last one, and we know the last one was pretty successful, you know, it had the, uh, it had the, the, the timing was great, you know, it was the first movie that came out in, you know, the first really big blockbuster movie that came out in theaters, like, uh, around the time vaccinations were rolling out, um, so we'll see how this one does, um, it'll be, what will be interesting is to see if there's gonna be more after this, you know, I, I don't know. Um, well, they seem to legend- be, you know, dialing up the the sort of transmedia properties because you've got the this Netflix Kong thing at the same time, and this Apple TV show that's also in development. So it's yeah. Uh, before it was like, oh, here have a tie-in comic or whatever. And- yeah, yeah, and um, I don't know. Legendary's in a weird spot. Like um, they're, you know, Wanda kind of sold them off. Uh, or at least sold most of their, you know, stake in it. And they're looking for a new studio partner. Um, you know, they're separating from Warner Brothers for the second time. Um, and uh, I don't know, I was under the impression that Warner Brothers was actually the company that, uh, at least as of 2014, kind of had, like, a lot of the rights to the MonsterVerse stuff. Um so I don't know if Legendary is going to be able to take that with them. Same with Dune. Um, like, uh, even with when Legendary was at Universal, like, the MonsterVerse stuff was still being produced with Warner Brothers. So we'll see. I, I really have no idea what those contractual things are looking like right now. Um, Kong, I'm sure, is easy. But God, with Godzilla, um, yeah, I don't know. Warner Brothers is... is We'll see, like, I don't know, they might just be like, whatever, 
because you know they're letting everything else go. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of weird things that are gonna put this the whole future of this up in the air. Um, I don't know. I mean, my my I guess more cynical perspective is like I've said this before. Like I'm kind of. I'm not like I I'm contrary to how it might sound sometimes. I'm not like a monsterverse hater. You know, but it it is at the point where like I don't know what else they can do with, you know, a Hollywood version of Godzilla. Like I think they've had mixed results is what they've gotten right and what they've gotten wrong and um I mean five movies I mean and you know in an Apple series and a Netflix animated series later, you know, it, it, it after a while, I, I guess what I'm saying is after a while, the novelty does start to wear off and it just seems like more content that like you're just obligated to watch. It, it becomes MCU, you know, where it's like, yeah, there's a new one. Cause of course there is. And, uh, to quote our friend Trev, um, talking about the MCU, it's like it's impossible to get excited about it anymore because you just know it's just a thing that's always going to be there. It's like getting excited for air. Like, no <laughs> one gets excited for air. Uh, <clears throat> someone who... I, I liked uh, Godzilla vs. Kong quite a bit and the fact that Adam Wingard's coming back for it. Like, I just... I like a lot of the aesthetics that he brings. I don't think the story will amount to much. It'll probably just be another... Rock'em Sock'em monsters fighting. It'll be yeah. kind of like the eye candy thing. But like I was very much entertained by the last one, and I think he did a better job um, piecing like the action sequences and stuff, and the color palette and everything that that he was able to instill. Like it worked really well. So if we get more of that, like I'm I'm down. I don't know what to expect other than that though. Like I I don't think there'll be much of a. Um, there's never been much substance with these films, as there really is very little substance with a lot of the modern films that we watch so you know but i i'll you know i'm gonna watch it because of course i will but I'm, here's I, a nerdy reddit question for you guys yeah uh does legendary fork over the money for another toho monster i doubt it just because you know the 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 marquee value monsters you know the the big five so to speak they they have and yeah. I don't know that they have that investment in getting, you know, what King Caesar or whoever, like, while it would please a handful of fans, <laughs> uh, it's, I'm sure Toho is being very uh, tight pursed in terms of how much it costs to license one of these things. And much like Dark Horse comics in the 90s, they might just be like, well, why don't we make our own version of this guy? Yeah, yeah, I can see that being the route they go. Yeah. Toho's, all, you know, they wanted what for that uh, proposed Matango remake. They're like, this is going to cost you twenty five kajillion dollars. So I could see them being stupid about like, let's say Toho. Yeah, they're 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 dumb about stuff that like doesn't have mainstream recognition. So I, I mean, I don't you know, know if you would honestly bring back that that anybody outside of like. Idiot fans like yeah. this would even. I, I mean, for fans, I think Destroya or Gigan would make people go nuts. But you know, is is that going to get the same? Because you know, I mean, most people that saw Godzilla versus Kong 
did not know Mechagodzilla would be there. And but Mechagodzilla is a character where you can do that. You can have a reveal like, oh, there's a Mechagodzilla, and your average Joe in the audience is going to be able to know what that is. If they don't, if they haven't seen a movie with Mechagodzilla, they've heard of Mechagodzilla. There's no, there's not any other Godzilla monsters like that that they um, haven't used already. You know, so the only yeah, thing I, would I, be I, a baby Godzilla, but it doesn't have to be Minela. It could just be a baby yeah. Godzilla. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I could. Definitely. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I could see, or yeah, a baby Godzilla or a baby Kong. But as far as like, you know, okay, this is who you know who they're gonna team up against. You know, I mean, there's monsters that work thematically with what little we know. You know, Megalon would make sense, but it, you know. I guess Megalon is a, is one that has more recognition among, you know, our generation and our parents' generation because that movie was just everywhere when they were younger, but you know, I don't know if it's enough. I mean, maybe Hedera, but again, these aren't these aren't these aren't monsters that it's not going to be a Mechagodzilla where even if you haven't seen anything with that monster, you're going to be like, "Oh, I know what that is." I mean, they've burned through all those. So, well, they have. A I don't know. Large it's weird. Of like monsters they made for these. This like, you have Behemoth, and you have different versions of the Muto. Yeah, th- they yeah. Have, they, yeah there's, they could use. So. Yeah, yeah. The MCU, they don't have to use source material because people will get mad if things weren't in something before. The other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, you know, we they've already given us so many like monsters that are new to that they made up, you know? So, so yeah, they're really not obligated. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, I, and, and I don't, you know, it's hard. I, I see why they wanted to go ahead and do another one. Cause the other one after King of the monsters, you know, probably did better than they thought it would. Um, like I said, though, I mean, we don't know how much of that was, timing we don't know how much of that was the novelty of like wanting to see godzilla and kong fight but then being like okay we're you know we don't need more of this you know the the marquee value of that you know it's the freddy versus jason thing where it's like the last few freddy and jasons didn't make any money but everyone wanted to see the two of them fight but now that we've seen that is is that going to be enough for you know normies to come i mean there's a lot hanging on this i think um uh, but also I, I, I think legendary is also in a situation where they're, they're having to grasp on to what little IP they have left. You know, they don't have, um, Batman or Superman anymore. Um, the, you know, they, they, they never did anything with Warcraft again, because that only made money in China. Um, you know, Pacific Rim, they tried to bring that back, and that was a dud. So, like, I feel like they're kind of okay wasting a little bit of money and rolling the dice a little bit, because it's all they have. And especially since they're trying to find another studio partner, I think they're going to want to be like, we have this, we have Dune in the MonsterVerse, and that's it. (laughs) So... I don't know. Enough about that. Let's talk about this atomic dragon. Um, Agon, the atomic dragon. 
Um, so, uh, Kevin, I am going to defer to you with some of this. Um, so this was made by Nippon, Nippon Television, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, supposedly, uh, how did this, I know that, uh, Shinichi Sekizawa wrote the first two episodes. I guess we should tell people this is, I guess, what you call a miniseries. It wasn't supposed to be a miniseries, but for reasons that we'll talk about in just a moment, that's what it ended up being. Um, uh, do we know if, is that something that he brought to the table here? Or, I mean, do we know anything else about this, the conception of this series besides, you know, the that he wrote it? Yeah, so the the... Details are very scant on it, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was um, it was a a, a a Nippon production, and it was produced in 1964, and didn't wind up airing until 1968, which uh, pretty much nixed all chances of it having <laughs> any sort of long-lasting uh, appeal. Along with you know the the premature cancellation of the of the production because it was planned for twenty six episodes and they made four episodes, um, but in terms of you know who who started it um, that's that's hard to say. My guess would be probably um, you know one of the one of the lead producers or some somebody like that. Uh, again, this is one of those ones that there's not a whole lot of big names attached to so many of the people that you that you look at that were involved with this project like their uh, all cinema page just says like well i gone 1968 <laughs> so um you know we have shinichi sekizawa and we have uh, fuminori ohashi and those are the two big names that were uh involved but um Really, uh, I, I get the feeling that this was not like while this was kind of a big production for television, this was not like a, not like an Ultra Q kind of deal. And I think this might have been uh, because Ultra Q kind of was starting up. You know, the first rumblings were um, already at this point, 1964. So this might have been a sort of oh, we've got to we've got to beat beat them onto the air. Speaking of Ultra Q, um, so like we said, this didn't come out until 1968. We'll we'll talk about why in in a minute. But what is crazy is if this did air in 1964, it would have beaten Ultra Q because that didn't start airing until what 66. Yes, so it, it would have beat Ultra Q, and technically. A lot of the feel of this is similar to how Ultra Q feels. I, Ultra Q is better, but uh, a lot of the same kind of weird tone and uh, some of the like plucky character uh, characters who are like Sekizawa archetypes. You know, a lot of those uh, uh, things show up in Ultra Q. Also, it would have made it. I think technically. And Kevin, I'm going to defer to you to see if I'm right. Technically, that would make the would have made this 
the second kaiju television series after Marine Kong. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, because there were there were kaiju in National Kid and in uh Gecko Common, but neither of those were really kaiju shows. You know, they had yeah. kaiju And what was, was it Moonlight Mask that had the uh Yeah, that's that's Gecko Common. Okay. Yeah, the big ape guy. Yeah. Um yeah, those were just like monsters of the week or whatever that happened to be kaiju. Yeah. That, and, and so, yeah, the, it's weird how, how his, how much history would probably look at this differently if it only it aired for four years earlier. Um, but it also speaks to, I think just how rapid the genre was evolving in that, if this came out in 64, it probably would have seemed pretty new and fresh. But by the time it came out in 68, a lot of these things uh, you've seen by then, you've seen Sekizawa work with a lot of these formulas better. You've you've basically seen the same thing better. Um, so it was like already dated even four years after it was made. Um, yeah, even at the time when it was made, there was there's stuff that had shown up in, in the Toho movies, but there's a difference in the novelty of having this on television and kind of a, a weekly uh, serialized format. Uh, but, you know, by 1968, if you put this black and white television show, like, oh, this has got one monster in it. Oh, this is this is the same monster I already saw on Space Giants. It's just kind of like. Right. And you're referring to how the Agon suit was reused later. Yes, in Space Giants, right? Because uh, Ohashi did the monster suits for for both, mm-hmm. right? So he was probably like, "Whatever, I got this old derpy thing lying around." <laughs> and it, it, was, it, you know, they they stuck some fangs on it and and changed the name to Iron, which is completely different. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Wow, really, cre- <laughs> really creative it, there. Yeah, guys. literally, he just has like the teeth in the front, and that's the only change they really made. Um, as for why it's delayed. Um, from what I understand is, uh, they were making Agon and, um, Toho were not the happiest about a, uh, a very, uh, a dinosaurian monster, um, irradiated, uh, attacking people, um, and, uh, Sakizawa being the writer um, they cited a no compete clause in his contract to say, "Hey, you guys got to stop doing this." Um, the strange thing about that that makes me think Toho was just being petty is that they did allow Sekizawa. You know, they they didn't seem to have that tight a leash on him. I guess even though he had this clause in his contract, you know, he would still write for Toei Animation and and some other people. Um. So it sounds like that they they only invoked that because they were like, "Hey, this is a lot like <laughs> a lot like Godzilla." Um, does that? I don't know. And some people say it's one or the other. Some people say it was a no compete clause entirely. Some people say it was the the Godzilla similarity entirely. But it, it sounds like the truth is probably a mix of both. My guess is that it's probably a little of column A and a little of column B. And yeah. it's one of those deals where you hear different things from different people. 
some things I think we can we can dismiss, like when people say, "Oh, Sekizawa wrote this before he was even hired by Toho." It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense because if you wrote it before he was hired by Toho, they can't do a non-compete clause. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, before he was hired by Toho, there there wasn't television of that of that caliber being made in Japan. Yeah. 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 Um. And uh, it aired, uh, from what I understand, uh, January 2nd through the 5th. I've seen other people say Toho stopped it from airing, but I, I, I think that has been debunked at this point. Um, and, uh, and plans for this, I think, were fairly ambitious. Um, Egg on the Atomic Dragon, uh, the dra- you might look at him and say, that doesn't look like a dragon at all. What are you talking about? Um, but, uh, originally it was, uh, supposed to be 26 episodes, um, with, uh, each two episodes being like, you know, each episode is basically half of a two-parter. So it would have been 13 episode, 13 stories in 26 episodes. Um, and, uh, there was a point, uh, where Agon was supposed to be bombarded with nuclear weapons that would mutate him further and he would sprout wings. At that point, I'm sure he he was at least supposed to look more like a dragon. Um, but he wasn't. He's just a dinosaur as we know him. Um, he does pretty other, so that's, that's something. <laughs> yeah. Um, other uh, script ideas um, had him being lured into a volcano, like in Godzilla 84. Um, and uh, there was... Uh, uh, another one where he would be in the North Pole, and uh, supposedly he was going to be killed by a special heat ray, similar to the A-Cycle light ray or the Mazer cannons. Um, anyway, Toho said no-ho, and, uh, but they were like, look, we'll, uh, you know, we'll let you air the four episodes you have done, and we'll be cool. Um, and then uh, I don't think the show was seen again until Toho themselves released it on VHS. Um, I think that was in the 90s. Could have been in the late 80s. But anyway, Toho themselves released it on VHS as a movie version, um, uh, which is basically just the four episodes slapped together without the ending credits um, on each one. Uh, and... This is interesting, and I don't, I don't know. We didn't talk about this before we recorded, Kevin. But um, I had a bootleg of the old that tape, the Toho tape, mm-hmm. um, and it had like a weird sepia red like filter over it. Hmm. The version I see now that's online, and also I, I have a bootleg of the 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 DVD, which King Records put out in 2005, I have that also, and that is the one that I think is online, you know, if if you, because you can watch this online on Daily Motion, uh, Internet Archive, different places. It's like plain old black and white. So I don't know if that was, if that's a thing where, I don't know, someone tinkered with it at some point. I don't know which is... I don't know which version is how it is like supposed to be. I mean, it, it was it was filmed in '64, so it would have been a black and white show. So you know, uh, 
it doesn't make sense to have any sort of special tones on it. So I, yeah. I'm thinking that, yeah. It's like a brown sepia, which, like, I don't know, like some silent... Like, think of, like, if you've ever watched a silent movie and, and you can... You know, there's certain filters they'd put on them. Like, one would be red, blue, whatever. It looks kind of like that. I'll have to send you, like... Um, I think on YouTube, I think there's an intro that has that has the sepia on it. I'll have to send it to you, but it, it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that's just kind of replicating the theatrical feel in that case because, you know, like you said, with old movies, like if you were to have seen, I don't know, Nosferatu in the theater, um, it it would have had those those color filters on it. Um, but if you're watching on a black and white television, that's not going to be the case. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's how I first saw it was like, it was like red. Um, oh, the DVD has an audio commentary. It's too bad nobody cares enough about this to, <laughs> I guess, have, have gleaned some information from that. Um, I guess it was re-released on Blu-ray by TC Entertainment in 2017. Interesting. Um, uh, I don't know. Someone must be interested. I guess uh, we can. Uh, uh, so so uh, Sekizawa is often the the big name talked about with Agon, but uh, he only wrote the first two episodes, which is the first uh, storyline. Um, the second one is written by a guy named Kozo Chida, who I is there something that we should? I don't know who that is. <laughs> I, I don't know who that is. You said that, well, like you said, most of these people, like, for some reason, this is all they have done. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know who that is. Um, so, Sekizawa's story, uh, I guess, I don't know, since I'm already blabbing, I'll, I'll kind of do a plot rundown we can talk about, about the, uh, the show here. Sekizawa's half is, um... Like I said, each two episodes is one story. So Sekizawa's story uh, is about the initial appearance of Agon, and if you've ever watched a Shinichi Wakasa anything, uh, a lot of it is familiar. You know, you have uh, the plucky reporter who's trying to investigate this missing uranium, um, and uh, of course it turns out um, it is related to this monster Agon, and if, and he has a boss that's always yelling at him, <laughs> which is another uh, Sekizawa staple. The uh, the reporter editor who's always screaming in their ear, um, and he meets uh, you know a, a, an elderly scientist who is investigating the monster and knows everything, and he has a plucky young female assistant. I mean, these are all characters that, if they sound familiar to the Showa-era Godzilla films, I mean, you've seen them. The reporter even has the, uh, the, the a similar um, motif as uh, Frankie Sakai and Mothra, where he's a... They called him Pitbull, because, you know, when he latches onto a story, he never <laughs> lets go. Well, he... Uh, 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 this this reporter says he's like a snapping turtle, although they use what is it? Is it sapon? Yeah, sapon. Yeah, which I I guess that's you know the Japanese. Well, in, in Mothra in the Japanese right. version, wasn't it also sapon? I think it was. Yeah, I mean I'm just so familiar with the dub, but I think you're right. In the in the Japanese language, it's a snapping turtle also. Um, and of course, it's because when you yeah yeah we know when you see a good story, you never let it go. Same with, uh, what is it, uh, 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 
Goro Maki and Son of Godzilla. You know, I <laughs> never, you know, yeah. So yeah, yeah, we know, we know. The reporters never let a good story escape. We get it. Um, and uh, it's pretty routine from there. I mean, um, uh, the three of them basically work together to find out how to stop the monster. And since this is intended to be a serialized TV show, they're like, let's just like give him some uranium to like eat. So they, they pretty much are like, here, uh, have this. And then, you know, Agon goes to the bottom of the lake and he retreats and they're like, we got to think of something else because he's going to keep coming back. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically episodes one and two. Uh, three and four are a little weirder. Uh, they follow the father of the child character that we get introduced in the first two. Um, and uh, some drug dealers, uh, they, they their car crashes into... Uh, they, or, or they're, they're making like a getaway, right, on a boat. Yeah. And they have a suitcase full of drugs... And uh, they lose it in a storm, and so they swim out to the nearest house, which is the father of this child that we met earlier in the show. And he's and and they basically like say, "Hey, you know, since you're a fisherman, and you know you dive, we need you to find our suitcase, or else we'll kill you." Oh, you have a a kid? Well, you know, even better for us to make you do this. Um, and uh, I don't these criminal. We gotta talk a little bit about these guys because I don't, I don't understand these guys because <laughs> they're like, because because the diver is like, well, Agon's down there, and like your suitcase is like right by him. Like I, I, I don't want to do that. And they're like, well, you have to. And he's like, no. And then they're like, okay, well, we hear he likes uranium, so they break into this lab and steal. <laughs> Some, ur- some uranium to try and lure Agon out so he can, like, go a- run crazy and the- attack the city or something, and then they can get their suitcase full of cocaine, and it's like, why, for, like, why would you, like, they, these guys go through a lot of trouble. It's like everything they, they do, they want, they want to do them in the most complicated way. And so Agon does come out, but he, uh, like, these guys, they get their suitcase, right? And they put it in a boat, and they're like, you know, for some reason we need to take your kid with us, because until we get away, you know, you can still tell the police, even though, like, they're getting away. So I don't know what they were planning on doing with the kid once they, like, get away. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Agon comes out, and, uh... He grabs the boat with the kid and the drugs in it, and then the other criminal is like, uh, hey, our stuff is in there and your kid is in there. So now, for, and then for no, for, some, for no reason, Agon walks around with a boat in his mouth for like 40 minutes. <laughs> and they're trying to get this kid out, and the criminals want their drugs. And um, the kid... Uh, eventually gets uh, saved when they uh, they bring out some uh, uranium and Agon puts the uh, the boat down and then um, the uh, the bad guys get a helicopter 
they they like start escaping in a helicopter and for and they you know they ha- they're they're like you want to mess with him and for for no reason so they, then they start messing with Agon and Agon kills them and then they're like oh well what if we uh you know what if we 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 uh put uranium together with the cocaine like that'll probably do something to him and Agon eats the uranium the the <laughs> cocaine-laced uranium <laughs> and is never heard from again. Um he naturally I'm sure would have popped up in another episode, but uh that never happened, so I'm assuming we can just say he died of a cocaine overdose. <laughs> Too young. Yeah. We never knew him. That's what that's got to be one of the weirdest uh ways to dispatch of a giant monster though. Like that, we we don't see that every day. So that's Agon. Um, <laughs> as I had indicated, I'd seen it before. Kevin, you've obviously seen it before. Um, you know, you're the obscure kaiju guy. Matt, was this? I, I'm I'm. I want to hear your perspective <laughs> first. I uh... I take it. Th- I take it. This is your first time. Yeah, this is my, this is my, I knew of the the movie slash show, but I, I hadn't seen it before. Uh, I will be honest and say that I surprisingly enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, I mean, going back to what we actually were talking about um, at the beginning of the podcast with like Godzilla versus Kong and, and tentpole films, what works for me in this show is the very simplistic approach with the storytelling. And obviously that's mm-hmm. you know, Sekizawa being Sekizawa, but like you're able to focus on a handful of characters. You're able to give them a little, uh, some personality. You can develop their relationship over time. And I like that. And like, no, this isn't a good show, but, and, but, and there's like, there's hilarious moments in the show. Like when, uh, Agon stomping and like the lady has a fissure open up underneath her, like the, the earth swallows her whole, <laughs> yeah. uh, stuff like that. There's, there's moments too, like, you know, when the, there's a moment in the first or second episode where he's walking along the beach and he, the, the, the guy in the suit actually trips and like catches himself. <laughs> <laughs> but like just there's stuff like that. But what I will give it credit for is like some of the ideas. Um, is it well, it's like the idea that he would carry the boat in his mouth a ton, like, okay, that's stupid. Doesn't really make sense, but it was kind of fun to watch or like the, the helicopter rescue, which was hilarious. Cause they, they fail at it. They, uh, they, fly a helicopter around him to rescue the kid by dropping a ladder and then this guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> this guy in this like uh just a very is it first of all that might be the worst helicopter like prop i've ever seen in a movie but like he like swats it out of the sky i mean there, there's a lot of little fun moments and i think they actually tried to use their creativity on a limited budget and also i actually liked the two villains now, this is where you can obviously tell it's supposed to be a serialized show because you go from the first two episodes focusing on this one set of characters. Episode three and four, you spend a lot more time with these two robbers and then the the kid and his father. Um, but I actually think it works pretty well. I actually found the villains to be like obviously 1960s kind of evil, but they were kind of doofy and fun at the same time. Um, there's a lot of interesting ideas, and even though we've seen some of them in done, as you said, done better in other movies, I do think it was. I mean, for 96 minutes, it was a pretty fun watch. I had I had fun with it. 
I'm assuming that kind of would have been the formula for the show, what you were talking about. Like, the first two are, like, that's where you meet, you know, the characters that you're probably going to see every week. You know, the reporter, the detective, the scientist, um, you know, the, 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 the girl that's the assistant. Um, and then, you know, I'm assuming every story would be, like, some other characters get involved in something that, you know, is Agon is being attracted to or whatever, and those characters end up coming in and, you know, figuring out a new way to stop him or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I I mean, when I first saw this, uh, I, you know, I had no idea that it was, you know, this canceled show. <laughs> um, but, you know... You can definitely tell, like, you know, okay, there. This is something that, you know, it's got that we'll get them next time kind of thing. Like at the end of each story, <laughs> he like wanders off into the the, the sea every yeah every right. So. Um, Kevin, what's your uh, experience with Agon like? I actually didn't see it until the uh, until the subtitle, like the fan subs, came out for those four episodes. Uh, so I, I didn't see a, a bootleg version or, or you know, ex- my experience was a little different from yours. So I had that additional context of kind of knowing that, OK, well, this was this is something from 64, uh, you know, a television production. So you if you view it in that lens, I think it's it's easier to be more charitable than like, oh, this is a this is a kaiju movie from the same year as Destroy All Monsters, because then you're just like, what? But um yeah, and you know what worked for me a little bit? Um, and uh, it's probably just because, you know, I haven't, you know, I haven't been able to revisit a lot of my old favorites uh, lately, but, like, we watched Yongari, and, you know, we just reviewed that, and uh, both this and that one have that classic kaiju movie formula that I, I don't feel like I get a lot of these days and I'll 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 let you kind of know what that means but um kind of that mystery angle to a kaiju story um it's where most of the showa movies are you know um basically where you have a monster that shows up it goes away and then everyone's like trying to figure out what it is what it wants where it came from and you know you kind of slowly get more answers like almost like a procedural um, that's the way Yongari and Agon work. And, I, uh, I think not having watched a lot of my favorite Godzilla movies or Gamera movies or whatever lately, you know, it was, I don't know, it was, it, it was nice to see something with that kind of formula again. Um, now it's, it, it just typically, whether, you know, we're going back to some of the Heisei and Millennium movies or mostly the newer stuff you don't really get that, you know, the monster verse is always about how can we get from giant, like big fight to big fight. Um, you know, the, the Japanese movies have been more about, um, you know, you look at the anime trilogy or Shin Godzilla and they, they're more focused on, I guess, uh, asking big questions, whether it's big questions about, you know, government response or, you know, whatever kind of philo- philosophical hot air the anime trilogy <laughs> is doing, 
you know, I don't know. I kind of miss that. I, I think the only modern movie that kind of caught that a little bit was the 2014 version. I don't know. You guys, am I sounding crazy to anybody, or does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the reporter and the scientist team up to stop the monster that's on a rampage, and the monster is is the antagonist. You don't have the monster fight some other monster or whatever, you know. Yeah, I like that mystery angle to it, I guess. And um, I don't know, it just felt kind of welcoming to watch two things basically almost back-to-back that kind of gave me that, even if it's not my favorite stuff. <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost like comforting, honestly. Like, there, there's something about that very simplistic story and having characters that, like, you actually care about as opposed to, like I said, these bloated Hollywood yeah. temple productions where you have 25,000 characters and then you find out later on that there were probably 30 more that didn't even make the cut of the movie. Like, this at least lets you care about the people and invest in, in what you're seeing on the screen. And, like, to me, that is actually comforting. And that's what the – I really prefer the simple storytelling in most of these films. Like, the early show of yeah. Godzilla films, like, that is something I really latch on to. There's a certain charm to it, too. Like, um, the – just – Having the care and like obviously we've seen the the reporter get yelled at by his boss, but like I was still laughing at it. Like I thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean Sekizawa is really good at writing <laughs> those kinds yeah. of characters. Even even the ones that aren't as interesting as you know in Ghidorah or whatever. You know they're always he he knows how to write things with a very fun, I guess levity. But I I agree. I, I mean, and I think giant monster movies work best. I think when they're not convoluted in lore or <laughs> what, well, whether it's lore or like um, just plot mechanics, Yeah, you know, where, where there's a too many different characters and all these different subplots going on at once. And, you know, I, I've, I've said this a hundred times. That's why King Kong is so perfect. It's just a simple adventure story and it gets you, it, you're just, it sucks you right in and you're along for the ride, and that is what works best, I think, formula-wise, you know, and when when you start adding too much backstory, too many subplots, that's when it it gets a little bit more boring. It's It's an American movie from the 50s, so it's really not very similar, but, you know, Them is another movie we watched. Um, Yeah and reviewed uh you know this is probably going to be out before that episode but that's another one where it's like you know man you just got to give us likable and fun characters and you know unravel a story with an intriguing mystery around the monster and like i'm all in i feel like that's a deliberate jab at a recently announced disney plus project <laughs> <laughs> it could be um yeah god yeah god th- there's so much going on right now you know it, it, and it's just what are the odds that any of these are going to capture like a lot of that quality you know and some of that is just how the industry has changed how audiences expectations have changed but it is why i am still a very um I don't know. It's probably pretty boring, but it's why I still prefer a lot of the the more simple, old school style kaiju stuff. I mean, it's I, yeah. I think there's probably more of a comment on like just the industry more than 
comparing the two areas. I unfortunately with the the way that every studio has to you know check all the boxes and hit the four quadrants and make sure they're appeasing everybody and and all that stuff. Yeah, and and just the flood of content like Godzilla and Kong are on so many different platforms. So many different, you know, you know, they're in theaters, they're on Netflix, they're on Apple Plus, they're on YouTube. Like, you know, Ultraman is insane right now with that. Ultraman is, if you're in Japan, I'm sure if you blink, you know, when you shut your eyelids, you see Ultraman. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, 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 it is, and this is something, it's like that with everything, Marvel, DC, you name it. So it's not just these IPs that we're talking about. Um, I think, uh, one thing I want to bring up with, uh, with Agon is, I mean, it is like Matt said, it's not what I would call good, but aesthetically it's interesting and weird in ways that I'm probably going to struggle to describe. (laughs) Um, but there's... First of all, Agon has a design that is really bizarre. It shouldn't be as weird-looking as it is, because it's like your standard kind of Godzilla knockoff dinosaur design. But he's, like, really goofy-looking and really derpy, and, like, it's it's not a suit that... It's not the greatest. Um, We talked about uh, Ohashi, who who did the, the suit, and he did a lot of the really old... Some of the really old stuff. Um, I think like he Monster worked... Prince would be a good comparison point for yeah. Agon if I mean, I don't know who's familiar with Monster Prince and not familiar with Agon, but like the dinosaurs in that, which he also made, are kind of of a similar quality. Yeah, and he has this like consistent derp face. Um, but you know, he worked on. Uh, uh, Stuff like Half Human and the Mysterians and Whale God and um, Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds. Um, and he, uh, Ohashi, is, I don't know, it, it's not his best work, but there's something very endearing about it. Um, I like this monster, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because <laughs> it's stupid or or because it has this really strange roar that is... I don't. I don't even know how to describe. I, I think the it's like it's got the simplistic appeal of the dinosaur. That same thing that I think about Godzilla. It's got that very simplistic but sleek sort of design. This is definitely, uh, for lack of a better term, a bit more derpy. Like he's he's confused and kind of sinister, and <laughs> like all at the same time. And like from the side, there's there's times when like he looks like he's shocked to even be in the movie. Like his <laughs> eyes almost look too big. Like, but. At the same point, I actually, I kind of dig the suit. Um, definitely not the best suit I've ever seen. And the special effects in this, you can tell, like, they're really hampered by budget. Uh, but I do I do kind of like the monster. Like, if there were a, uh, you know, fairly inexpensive inexpensive toy, I'd probably buy it because I'm an idiot like that. You can get the Space Giants one and take the teeth off. <laughs> there you go. I don't think Agon has ever gotten a toy proper, has he, Kevin? Uh, no, that's one of the things with our with our G Fest panel. We were looking into like for for what has and hasn't had figures, and we did not find it a proper Agon figure. You think he'd have at least one? Everyone has at least one. Uh, the The only thing I can think of is that 
it might be a weird licensing thing to, to Mercedes yeah, it could because be. um, the status, you know, different people have released the show over the years, but then, you know, the character, where does that lie? Is that, is that with P productions because of um, what happened down the road or, you know, who knows? Uh, regarding the suit, I, one thing I, I do like about it is that it's got, you know, this bladder in it to, you know, inflate and make it look like he's breathing. Um, yeah, and it's really weird because, like, the it makes it look like he's breathing through his neck. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where his lungs are. Yeah, yeah it, but I agree. I, it is, it's, it's a cool effect, but it, again, it, it's very strange and uh, not something you see every day. So, but I mean, for me, though, those are the things that make it like charming. Yeah, it's, to me, it's got the same kind of charm that I think Youngery has. Oh, y- Youngery's a better design, but like, it's got that same aesthetic, and I, I dig it. I actually, I, I enjoyed it. Um, can we, can we talk real quick about the editing? Because the one thing this movie, uh, like reuses the same shots multiple times back to back. And there's one in particular where, like, there's a there they um there's a car, and he has to like the guy has to, the reporter has to go like back to his office and pick something up and then go to this other place. But like, there's these like chop edits that go across the screen like four or five times in this like really short span, and it was it was really jarring. And the show as a whole, especially in the first like two episodes, I just felt like the editing was all over the place, like really quick cuts back and forth to things. I don't know if either of you felt that, but like I definitely did. Uh they cut to yeah, the there's a lot of those also where like they'll they'll cut to the monster at angles that don't always make sense. Yeah. It's a little it like it's disorienting. <laughs> That's how I would explain a lot of this is that like a lot of the show is disorienting. Like um and and I mean that like aesthetically. Like there's certain shots that like seem like they're going on too long, and there's not a whole lot of like when he steps on trees and stuff. Like there's no sound effects. <laughs> I was say. And and like it's really the, the it's a really this, weird experience. Yeah, like the effects in this, the sound effects come and go, and then there are times when the the musical score, which we haven't talked much about yet it becomes almost like sound effects because like, it's not actually music. It's just like some dude playing on a flute or something. I don't know what it is exactly. The the score is really weird. Um, It sounds like a really strange, like minimalist electronic score almost. I don't know how it was made, but like, there's a lot of, it's usually of of, of, like sound effects, like dripping or something like that. And yeah, like, like like you'll be watching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, for example, like, you'll be watching what's supposed to be, like, an action scene, you know, monster destroying some buildings, whatever, and, like, instead of music, you'll just get, like, weird sounds, like, whether it's bubbles or, like, sometimes it almost sounds like it's farting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And sometimes it'll just kind of be, like, That's, yeah. It's and it's 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 like avant garde, like noise music almost instead of like what you'd think of as an actual like music 
musical soundtrack. And it, again, it's it makes it a very weird, disorienting experience. It's really like I, I when I started talking about like the style of this show, I said I like you know we're probably gonna have a hard time explaining this to someone that might not have seen it, but it's really like odd. I don't know. I don't the the thought that this was gonna go on for twenty six weeks. Yeah, <laughs> is very strange. Well, the, uh, the the other thing about this, they had a lot of interesting ideas, though. Like, okay, let me backtrack. Uh, the whole thing with anybody being able to get uranium, like, on a whim in this is insane. Like, they just, it's like, they, they realize that if, like, first of all, there's, like, four or five helicopters that get uranium. He destroys a nuclear power plant. Nobody ever talks about, like, nuclear contamination or anything like that. It's And then, like... The guys that rob the the uranium plant—it's like you could have sold that for more money than your co- your cocaine, dude. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and yeah, like those that whole like uh, plot with those guys—they they do everything like backwards. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's not it's not good. There's there's some weird like uranium doesn't really seem to have much consequence. I think the first episode opens with like a truck that loses uranium into the ocean they never that i remember circle back and talk about that anymore it just so happens that the monster like shows up in the same spot which means like he probably was drawn there to eat it but they never explicitly state that unless i just like didn't see that in the subtitles um so some of those like gaps could have been filled in better but i do think some of the unused ideas we talked about at the very beginning of the episode were like he was going to get nuked and then sprout wings like that's kind of a cool idea yeah, that also, like, that that reminds me of, like, uh, a few things, actually. It reminds me of, like, um, like in Shin Godzilla, when uh, Shinya Tsukamoto's character is, you know, they're talking about how, like, he adapts to everything that attacks him and that there's, like, no limit to what his evolution can be. And he says, like, you know, theoretically, you know, he could even sprout wings, Um which they did concept art for that in the yeah yeah like yeah it reminds me of that. Um, speaking of him getting nuked, uh, it is interesting. And in, uh, both Kevin in his book has pointed it out. John Lemay pointed it out in his his book is that uh, Agon was feeding off radiation and mutating from radiation before Godzilla. You know because Godzilla was originally just irradiated. You know it's not stated that he's mutant a mutant until Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. And um a lot of people also, you know, don't realize that uh it wasn't established that he feeds off radiation until Godzilla eighty four. So again, Agon is like a weird primitive version of a lot of things that we've we we ended up seeing um done or seeing been, you know, talked about in other movies later on um and you know whether that's just some symbiosis where you know whoever was writing it knew about agon and you know took something from it or if it's just coincidence you know who knows um but yeah it it has this really primitive thing where it's it's got these ideas that when you watch it, you're like, oh, it's doing that. But then you go back and you realize, oh, it, it's actually doing that before this other thing. 
Not to the degree of, like, Gorgo. You know, I mean, we've talked a few <laughs> times about how Gorgo establishes a lot of stuff that you see later. This is almost like a mini version of that. And a lot of that is because Sekizawa would just keep writing these. But um, it's something to, to think about, I guess. Um, I tried finding out more about this composer, Wataru Saito, because, this, like we said, this is a very bizarre soundtrack, but I really couldn't find anything. He's yeah, one of those guys that his his all cinema page is is literally just this movie. So, uh... <laughs> what did did this to get made in like another dimension and then like leak into ours or something? Because like, aside from Sekizawa and Ohashi, it's like who are any of these people? Even the cast, I don't know who any. Of, I like I don't know who like none of these actors I can find anything about. Uh, I think the one of the one of the scientist dudes was also in an episode of Ultraman, but um, by and large, like the main actor, like hasn't done anything else, um, which you know it makes it a little strange that he's a main actor. But <laughs> I, I don't know how much of this is just due to it being kind of the dawn of of television. Um, yeah, because you know sixty four, like we'd had less than a decade of, of television being around at that point. So maybe you had some stage actors that didn't really do anything in the movies or um, something along that lines or, or, you know, maybe just people whose work has been lost over time because, you know, a lot of television was broadcast live and just kind of there's no recordings of. Yeah. Yeah, it could just be because so many things, you know, unfortunately just haven't been preserved well. Um, so, uh, that's... Oh, uh, I, Kevin sent us, um, before we, uh, we recorded, some pictures, uh, some color pictures behind the scenes of Agon, and um, I actually really like how he looks in color. I... I I think the black and white helps with the overall weird otherworldly uh ambiance that is appealing to me about about this. Um but I do I do like him in color. It's like a he's like got a, like a brown beige color to him. Um so that's Agon. I don't know uh is there um Anything else you guys have to say, or should we go ahead and give our ratings? I'm good with the ratings. How many uh, coked out dinosaurs <laughs> out of five? <laughs> um, I'll go first. Uh, similar to what I said when I gave my rating for Yongari, this is one that never really um, and still kind of doesn't uh it's not a favorite um that being said this most recent rewatch is probably the most i've enjoyed it um and i think just realizing like this isn't a movie you're watching four episodes of tv of a show that got canceled um and uh just 
like I said, I really dig the ambiance. Like this is all—it's going to sound weird, but like this is almost something that like I could put on and not watch and just like listen to and like kind of fall asleep to. The sound design in this is so strange, um, and that—it's going to sound weird, but the sound design might be my favorite thing about it. But it, it feels like a really weird dream. You know this this show. It feels like a, a ha- I'm. It feels like the memory of a like half of a memory of a kaiju movie I saw like when I was little that didn't exist. I sound like a complete maniac, so I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm going to give it three out of five, uh, bumped up from my previous two point five. Yeah, uh, I am in a hundred percent agreement. I like this a lot more than I thought I would. And uh, it's probably, like, closer to a two and a half, but I'm feeling generous, and I had a lot of fun. So I'm going to give it three out of five uh, coked-out dinosaurs. Yeah, All right, Kevin. In my case, I think it's, it's one where you really have to be, like, in, in the right frame of mind. So, like, in full disclosure, on this most recent uh, watch, it was one of those deals where, like, we, we this episode came together kind of quickly so uh, <laughs> we sprung this like on you out literally out of nowhere homework uh, uh so from that perspective i was like uh this is this is you know a, a two or two and a half but you know if you think about it in the context that it was made in uh you know you can you can bump it up a little bit because like if you think about like okay i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna to marathon some like pre-ultra q kaiju japanese television we can put on marine kong and and the those gecko common episodes and and the 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 tetsujin 28 live action series and and maybe some some old you know very early anime something like that then yeah this is this fits well into that that niche of 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 titles and then you know again this is there's that whole trend for for lost media is cool right now, and this is kind of a success story, and, and kind of not. <laughs> and that you know, the show was literally buried for years, but then it got out there, and you can watch it. And um, you know, unfortunately, the whole thing didn't happen, and we can kind of speculate about what it would have been like if it had all existed. So, you know, to some extent, that's that's more fun to me than the show itself. But uh, you know. Yeah. Put all that together, uh, I'd say, you know, a three out of five uh, dogs that don't smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and and I do think that if... if, I I think people that like Ultra Q will probably dig this. You know, it's it's not as good as Ultra Q, but it it does feel almost like a cousin to Ultra Q, uh, you know, stylistically, like I mentioned at at the top of the episode, you know, with, you know a lot of the character types being similar. Um, so if you're on the fence, it, but you know, you like ultra Q, you know, give it a, give it a whirl. You know, it's four 20 minute episodes. It's pretty easy to, to get through. Um, man, Matt, I forgot all about that helicopter rescue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that had me laughing. That, had that me laughing. sequence was amazing. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, Kevin, thank you for the last minute, uh, uh, 
I guess, join here. I guess you were going to record a different one for us, but we 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 had to. It was a big uh, we switch. Lo- he didn't realize it. It was a big switch. Yeah, we we one of our uh, co-hosts had to drop out, and we said, "Well, let's still record something. Uh, what's something easy? Uh, Agon." And Kevin was like, uh, oh, "Oh, I guess." So thank you for your flexibility. Um, yeah, and yeah, John. we'll. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, we will, uh, I guess, uh, be back next time with another exciting episode. And uh, for now, I uh, bid you farewell. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.